where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello, everyone. Welcome to uh, Where Nobody Knows Your Name. And today I'm with James. Hello. How are you, Barry? I'm very well. I've literally just put a baby to bed as early as it is in the morning. It's nap time. And so I'm relaxed now. Thank you, James. I'm, I'm all right. Not that, not that you asked, but I'm all right. Also got my coffee <laughs> this early in the morning. Uh, listeners, we don't usually record early in the morning at weekends, but you know, we are today. And at this time in the morning, my brain couldn't, couldn't deal with choosing what to have for breakfast. So I just <laughs> I went spicy peanuts. That'll do. And I, I think by midday, I'll be paying the price for it. So uh, <laughs> that's a fun way to kick off this episode, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, this episode is The Art of the Steel, which is an interesting title I'll get into in a bit, which aired on the 30th of November, 1989. It was directed by James Burroughs and written by Sue Herring. I, I enjoyed this one. Uh, I thought it was good fun. A lot of uh, silliness going on. It's, yeah, leans into the slapstick quite a bit, which I know, I know John is a fan of. Let's talk about that title, The Art of the Steel. Obviously a parody title, isn't it? I feel like you're going to have more information about this than I am, uh, James. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I am. Hence why I'm leading, uh, <laughs> giving leading questions. It's a parody of The Art of the Deal, you know, that, that Trump book on business, right? Mm. Yes. Here, here's a fun fact. Roger Reese was written as a Trump-style millionaire, but with his accent and uh, consummate thespian sensibilities, he was able to make the character more classy and engaging rather than a simple parody of an existing businessman in real life. Hmm. Interestingly, he doesn't appear, does he, in this episode? Uh, correct. I think the most we get is a, a kind of muffled voice over hmm. the phone. But it's very much about him. Yes. Yeah. He's the spectre at the feast. Is that? I don't think that's used correctly. Um, <laughs> the spectre at the feast the ghost the, at dinner yeah <laughs> the the ghoul at lunch <laughs> uh, but yeah it is uh, about him in, in terms of his influence on the characters I suppose as well as by proxy the B plot in, uh, in which the guys at the bar play a game about, about business in one way or another even the cold open. Yes. So our show starts with Woody proclaiming his confusion about uh, inflation and how it works. I'll be honest. I don't fully understand it. I just know it happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's all I feel I need to know. <laughs> Not only that it happens, but depending on when you're listening to this, it's currently happening. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a, a mortgage that will need renewing at some point in the future. Um, and needless to say, I've started sweating already. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's nothing good to, to add to that. But Norm does try to explain inflation in the only way Norm can, by using beer as a metaphor. Uh, he does. I, and and uh, Woody doesn't get it. No. I think it's because we've said before, Woody is, Woody's not unintelligent. He's just from a different background. And I think 
using metaphors will only confuse the lad. Mm. Just- <laughs> yeah. Although they enjoy ripping up a uh, a dollar out of for Cliff's wallet. Look at look at the reckless abandon they have mm. with money. It's just And then uh, and then they take it one step further and rip up a twenty from Cliff's wallet. Poor Cliff. But Cliff's got stamps for days. So Cliff's got cl- stamps for days. Cliff's got stamps for days. You could say that. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> you could use stamps as as uh, as tender. Oh, oh, I see. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't just being like, yeah, but he got stamps though. I thought it was a like some fr- saying like Jenny from the hood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because because you know me and my street speak. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Whenever I'm in the rough streets, I bring James with me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they they love, you know, any opportunity to disadvantage Cliff, don't they? So Poor Cliff. Although he is he is the um he presents his own butt for the jokes, doesn't he? He does. I think Stephen Fry said it about Hugh Laurie. Uh, and I may have brought it up before, but Stephen Fry once said he's got a very punchable face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh <laughs> Yes, and I, and the American uh, listeners, apart from the odd film, will probably know Hugh Laurie from House. Yeah, which is a considerably more powerful character yeah. than he's traditionally known as playing. He's usually a very sort of flustered, um, weak-willed, uh, chaotic character with a higher pitch voice. Like Stuart Little's dad, he once played. <laughs> that gives you an idea. Of... Yes, an early peak in his career. <laughs> But before we go into the episode in full, it's worth mentioning that there's not much cast in this episode, much guest cast. There is James Burroughs, the director himself, as man standing in the bar, he's uncredited, and Philip Pullman as Phil, who is also uncredited. On to the main episode. Woody continues his inflation questions. Uh, Norm continues trying to provide answers. Woody still doesn't get it. No, Um, but Norm is getting free beer. Um, Which is all Norm ever wanted. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe some sort of a um, loose analogy for the way the um, financial world works is that there's always a a sucker being leached off due to their misunderstanding of uh, how money works, I suppose. Yeah, you've heard the the phrase tarnstaffel. Is that a phrase? (laughs) I just made a word up. (laughs) James with your weird Scandinavian words. Mm. <laughs> no, uh, there ain't no such thing as a free lunch. Townstaffel. Ah, it was a quote. That was a person's name. It's an acronym. I thought you'd sneeze, James. <laughs> <laughs> with Norm, Townstaffel, Tinstaffel. There is, I can't figure out the acronym at this early in the morning. Basically, Norm's getting free beer and is loving it. Yep. Yeah. So this uh, segues into, um, well, actually, there's a a very small part where Sam seems to have hair insurance uh, for his mighty quaff. Yeah, I wish I had hair insurance. (laughs) (laughs) You've got a a fine mane, James. Uh, Yeah. I'm sure it's uh, very well kept. (laughs) You know, I persevere. But yeah, he um, he has hair insurance, which even today, I think Ted Danson has Pretty good hair, you know. He, he's is it still his these days? I think now it is. Uh, you know, it's it's a different style for sure. But he's he's worked with it. Is it a different style? <laughs> it's definitely shorter now. 
It's changed colour. Yes, definitely. Um, I I wouldn't say his look has gone through a huge transformation over the years. Perhaps not. Either way, uh, 80s Ted Danson in the character of Sam had hair insurance, which I suppose falls into the uh, themes of money in this episode. Mm, Yeah. But the the main crux of the plot is uh, to do with Rebecca who hasn't had any calls, uh, but m- most importantly, from Robin. Yes, uh, Robin, her uh, billionaire love interest. Um, although love interest seems a little, little loose at this stage. They've only been on a few dates, and Rebecca has kept herself well and truly fully dressed. Yes. According to Carla, it is their fourth date, and this is a direct quote. Rebecca is hot to trot. Yes, the the assonance there is is fun. It is an odd phrase, not <laughs> Yeah, I wonder where that one came from. I think it's to do with heat in animals. Mm. I'd imagine so. And do horses trot when aroused? Is that a a thing? I don't know. I, mean, I don't this, know, Barry. Cast is is taking a. I don't know, and I'm reluctant to Google it. Well. I- and I'm I'm happy to. Let me get my YouTube up and type in horny horses and see what we get. Uh, well, <laughs> I didn't cut anything out there. Uh, I just don't know how to react to Barry. Uh, uh, so that that's happening. Yes, we have um, Rebecca is now keen. She feels like she's held back initially and now wants to show Robin that she's interested, uh, but is getting a little nervous about uh, the idea of what she does in order yes. to seduce him. And of course, she asks Carla, Carla, who has the reputation of being a little looser. So, so he's coming in town tonight. I haven't seen him for a month and I don't know. You know, I really need some help here. Now, now you've got a reputation of being uninhibited, low down, <laughs> dirty, perverted. <laughs> You should have known me when I was a real slut. Carla, I think, gives good suggestions, you know? Because Rebecca's like, arrive at his apartment before he does, and I'll be there and I'll greet him. Mm. Steady on, Becky. This is a PG podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Carla, of course, comes up with the the more uh, predictable, vicarious uh, suggestion of greet him, fine, but greet him naked. Which is, um, of course, you know, is is going to signal her intentions immediately. But I think, as a as a man, and I think this, as a woman as well. But if you were confronted by a a naked person in that situation, for me, I'd feel like the the dynamic was so wildly different. Being fully clothed next to a naked person, I'm not sure I'd know what to do. You'd walk in and go, "I'm overdressed." Yeah. <laughs> But she sets this plan in motion, so she seems very taken with the idea. Um, And uh, obviously that's going to be our main plot for this episode. So she heads off to the apartment. Having talked to the valet, who is going to sneak her in. Meanwhile, this is a great sequence. Mm. Norm decides there's only one way uh, to explain economics. And I think it is a good way to explain economics. And it's the classic game of Monopoly. Yes. Yeah. Not a quick game. No. 
and and quite a, uh, this this speaks of my own childhood really i i've got an older brother who was a bit more ruthless yeah. than me and so i have lost monopoly on hundreds of occasions i have definitely lost more than i've won mm. and my sister uh went on to study and get a degree in uh <laughs> real estate and economics so whenever we play monopoly i'm just like i i give up now just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you you've you've got this. <laughs> Just I I am the dunce when it comes to <laughs> to that. I've watched the big short three times and every time I have to get her to explain it to me, even after the various celebrities explain the film. <laughs> yeah, it it means that you're you're therefore below or oh, what's her name that explains Margot it? Robbie in a bathtub. <laughs> Margot Robbie in a bathtub explains it to it very neatly. It's a great film. It is a great film. Don't understand it. But I admire, I appreciate it. I understand it enough to be slightly angry about it. Yes. Which I guess is their intention. So anyway, we back to business, as it were. They all agree to play Monopoly, but there's a little bit of um, childish fighting over who should be what role. All right, I'm the banker. No, no, no. I'm trying to explain this to you, Woody. I have to be the banker, all right? I'm always the banker. No, no, I'm always the banker, okay? Look, if I can't be the banker, I just won't play. How's that? Well, maybe I'll just go get my own Monopoly board and play with my real friends. <laughs> now, let's not be childish. Right. What he wants to be, the banker, let's let him be. I mean, he can learn from his own mistakes. All right, all right. I'll be the race car, though. No, I am always the race car. No, I'm the race car. No, no, no. Over it? How well do you do this? <laughs> you can argue all you want, but uh, I'm playing less on the thimble. <laughs> it's yours, Cliff. Okay, well... So Cliff's the thimble. Yeah. I'm the race car. Uh, what do you want to be, you know? I'll be the lead pipe, I guess. I don't remember any lead pipe in my mouth. <laughs> or this Chinese chapter, or these, these Candyland children. What is this? <laughs> well, you know, over the years, we've sort of lost some of the parts in the original game, so we mix and match from others. Well, all right, give me the dice. All right. And, and the dice they have at the end are... You know, the proper pimp my ride dice, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, big fluffy pink uh, dice. The kind of dice that Will Smith rapped about in uh, in the Fresh Prince song. Yeah, and yeah. said the word mirror. Mirror, yeah, mur. The, the American way. Yeah, that confused me for a number of years, what he'd said there. It confused me because most people in England would say mirror. In American, it's mirror. But I've also watched Red Dwarf, where the main actor is from Liverpool and says, Mira. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I hear different pronunciation, I'm like, now, which word is this again? I thought it was a, for years, I thought it was an attempt to make something fit in a song. You know how occasionally people just change a word slightly just so it rhymes or or works. I just thought Will Smith was... uh, just shoehorning in. No, that it is the it is the American way. <laughs> uh, Every day's a lesson. But you know, none of none of the pronunciations are correct or wrong, just regional differences. This is true. Yeah. So they're setting up for Monopoly, uh, arguing about who gets to be what. Uh, and as is predicted, when you put a board game in a bar, they have to mix and match from other board games. Mm-hmm. Tis always the way. I'm saying tis a lot this morning. It's just the fatigue setting in, I think is what it is. <laughs> but Robin calls the bar, doesn't he? Predictably, I think. He's 
on a flight. He's actually flying the plane, it would seem. Sam says, oh, you're flying the plane. Watch out for that telephone pole. It does. And Robin goes, there are no telephone poles at this time. Sam goes, yeah, that's why it's a joke, Robin. Yes. You may be rich, but you're stupid. (laughs) (laughs) It's setting up the inevitable trapped in uh, Robin's house scenario. Sam, uh, hearing from Carla that uh, about... Rebecca's plan to be naked uh, in the flat decides that it's probably best he tells her in person. Yeah, uh, so, and basically Robin is going to be delayed by uh, three hours, right? Which means that Rebecca will be stood naked for three hours, which might get a bit chilly. Uh, so <laughs> Sam's going to go there and notify her. Yeah, which in this scene, there is a very odd moment. And actually, this whole episode suffers from it, but there is a very strange overdub of Carla's voice. Um, when she says the words book naked, I'm not sure what was there originally. James, you may be able to tell me. I know what was there originally. But it is a particularly bad dub. I can tell you that uh, only one of the sounds is the same. Uh, one of the phonetics. Uh, mm. uh, because the original phrase, and it was too much for television rating codes back in 1989. But for this podcast, it's fine, you know. <laughs> so, you know, brace your ears. Beep, 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 beep. Uh, you know, you better put seatbelts on your ears, listeners, because I'm going to take them for the ride of their lives. <laughs> uh, the original line was bare ass, ah. you know, which for 1989 was, was too, too much for the listeners. Yeah, uh, too, too much animal uh, language. A donkey without clothes? Mm. Yeah, it was almost like Carla was angry, or the actress playing Carla was angry and having to do it because she really spat out the words buck naked over the top to the point where it, it, it was like one of those comedy videos where they badly overdub something deliberately. It reminds me of um, Joe Pesci in Home Alone being told he's not allowed to swear because it's a PG film. So as a result, he just makes weird noises. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because he's like, but I'm, I'm Joe Pesci. <laughs> So that's why Home Alone just goes (laughs) Classic Joe Yeah, Joe Pesci What a a character But yeah, you're right Throughout the episode There are are strange elements of audio mixing Which even on the DVDs There are some reformatting issues You know, sometimes on certain shots They haven't able to get the reprint of it So it is still the, the film quality As opposed to the digital reprint And other times the audio mixing has has uh, been altered either for television codes at the time or things like uh, licenses and copyright for certain musical tracks, which we've had with uh, Righteous Brothers. Just to prove our point, I originally said the Everly Brothers and had to redub myself. So, you know, it happens to the best of us, Barry. <laughs> oh, James. Oh, James. <laughs> so we return to the bar and we have uh, Monopoly, well... At this point, it seems to end because Cliff uh, starts talking about his parasites, amongst other things, tapeworm, ringworm, and the uh, the other players obviously shy away from our infected man. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's, there's a word, like the leper, isn't he? Leper of the village. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So that's a brief, brief interlude. And then we, we rush back to the apartment to see pervy old Sam Um, get in and and catch Rebecca in the nude in the living room in front of the TV which is an odd odd position to be in 
Is it to get reflections? From the TV? The TV's behind her. Robin walks in, sees the, her front and her behind. <laughs> walks in and sees her front. Because <laughs> she's facing him. And then well, he... I get that, but it's a bit of a <laughs> a bit of a um... strange way to phrase it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But um, she she'd be facing Robin. But if the TV's behind her, he'd also see. You, now you see why I chose the specific words. He'd also see who behind. Oh, I, okay, all right. There I'm, you go. I'm yes. I'm, I think, and especially in those days, as the TV screens would be slightly domed, uh, which might increase the size of a behind in the reflection. <laughs> Um, strategic isn't it <laughs> yeah I, th- I thought you meant that there might she might have a nice silhouette from the uh the bright light of the telly behind her oh that silhouette is <laughs> what robin's thinking <laughs> but either way a strange i i, I would have you know and I'm, I'm sure i'm not as appealing um my my frumpy mass uh <laughs> lying i think i would have chosen the sofa or the bed or maybe i'd have just been caught it, to be honest, if I'm in a billionaire's flat, I'm probably at the fridge. Um, <laughs> and I, I think that would probably be the least appealing image that they'd come home to is me stuffing my face naked. You can do a good, you can do a lot of good work with fridge lighting. You know, it's got, it's got, a, you know, as you say, you can get a, a nice profile lighting, so it's on one half of your face. True, you know? um, yeah. and. <laughs> well, welcome to the podcast how to look good naked <laughs> yeah although although james the cold may have some effects as well that's um, true and that's... i think that <laughs> i don't think that sexy and uh bodily crumbs have ever gone together too well <laughs> is that is that a slice of ham on your chest <laughs> it's a, there's a whole seinfeld plot they go to this cabin went uh, next next to a, a pool and you know uh, it's the first time george is meant to be with his girlfriend so similar to uh rebecca and robin in this episode and george goes swimming and uh <laughs> is getting dried off and his girlfriend's friend opens the door and sees everything uh and she goes oh i'm sorry oh i'm, I'm sorry <laughs> and, <laughs> and george goes i was in the pool <laughs> Uh, and much the same thing, you know, if you were stood in front of the fridge, you know, I was stood next to the freezer. Uh, yeah, we, but yeah. that's a harder line to sell, I think. <laughs> it is, it is. Anyway, that's enough of uh, of that talk. I think we've uh, covered that subject. Uh, uh, you yeah, know. The intricacies of waiting naked for someone <laughs> in their apartment. Yeah, uh, but Sam comes in, she goes, throw me something. He throws an apple. Uh, Clever move clever move she goes no t- something else and he throws a tablecloth eventually mm. Mm. yeah sam is a uh he's a sneaky bugger isn't he yeah <laughs> yes he is but you know he delivers the message he says you know robin's gonna be Robin's was gonna be three hours late and she goes well get out of here get out of here Pre- presses buttons she thinks are the elevator mm. turns out it's the security system including big metal shutters yeah and I'm quite impressed by the budget of this episode. And I'm, I'm sure those metal shutters are literally crew hands lowering down shutters rather than anything automated. But it's uh, it's quite an impressive set they've got. It's an impressive set piece, and it will only get more impressive as, as the episode goes on. Rebecca asks, what will we do now? And Sam says, we can set the table. <laughs> 
I missed that line actually, and I really like it. He 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 remains true to form and is lechy basically th- throughout most of this episode. Next, the the search for the instruction manual. I think Rebecca's gotten dressed by this point. Mm, yes, uh, and they search for the instruction manual. Uh, they find it. Tells them to enter a certain code. And Sam presses it, and then instruction <laughs> manual goes on to go. For example, <laughs> so <laughs> not that code, but you know another four-digit code, which turns on the lasers. The lasers, yeah, yeah, which are surprisingly visible, uh, obviously for the viewers' benefit, uh, and surprisingly easy to negotiate. Uh, yes, I've. You don't need to know why I've navigated lasers. Um, failed uh, numerous times before I gave up. Um, and yeah, these ones seem a lot easier. That if you did have some kind of thief, they could just go, I'll, I'll go around, mate. <laughs> James, it would be remiss of me not to challenge the statement, I've navigated lasers. I don't think the context would explain it anymore. German spy museum. Well, it, it's closer to explaining it. <laughs> Uh, I yeah. presume it was a attraction that the public could get involved with it, in some it way. It was. It wasn't as as some would think uh, from my accent. It it wasn't. You know, you weren't alone at night in the German spy museum. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, just checking out my kin. <laughs> yeah, but you know, the German spy museum in in Berlin, they've got a, a laser exhibit with proper. You know, proper German rave music, uh, which mm. seems <laughs> ill-fitting. Um, do the lasers yeah, move? They do, and that's why they're difficult to navigate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I felt like Catherine Zeta-Jones in Entrapment, which is not an image you're not going to get out of your head anytime soon. Not um, with you in tight leather, no. <laughs> that's one of the best laser scenes put to film, that is. Yeah, well, I, I, I can't remember if I've ever seen the film. Um, I've seen the trailer, which, you know, gives me enough of the laser scene to know what you're going on. Uh, I think the film, I don't know what actually happens, but I've seen one clip and it seems a little bit creepy Mm. um, because isn't he old enough to be a granddad? He's he's Sean Connery, I think. Yes, yeah, sorry. Sean Connery uh, plays, they play a kind of love interest, which I don't know if it ever goes anywhere in the film, but certainly enough is suggested that, from the title of the film, this is pure speculation of a film neither of us have watched, but mm. from the pure title of the film, I think she seduces him in order to get some kind of wealthy item, uh, and that's it. Hence the phrase, entrapment. Yeah, we've seen too many films. <laughs> yep. So let's let's get back to our lasers. Um, they managed to get to the phone... Who is it it's called? Is it Carla that's called them? Carla calls, Rebecca calls under lasers, and Carla tells her Robin will be back until tomorrow. Yeah. So Sam so Sam and Rebecca have to spend the night at the House of Lasers. Yeah. Which is, is surprisingly quite a wholesome moment, really. Um, yeah. Ultimately ending up with them both, or Sam first, falling asleep, chatting. Yeah, and it is nice. You know, they... They talk about how they were growing up and how they both, it's not the first time it's happened, but they both talked about how their respective siblings seem to be the preferred one. Yeah. And then Sam quickly falls asleep. And after a brief 
admiration of his lack of split ends, off goes uh, Rebecca as well. That's what you get hair insurance for. Yeah, absolutely. During this scene, we had, we didn't have, but traditionally you would have an ad break just before they fall asleep, I think it was. But there's a really odd mix of sound and laughter track. The the sound comes in as it would at, at the start after a break, but it's like they've left no space for it. So it cuts off what Rebecca's saying. And and then there seems to be laughter just thrown willy-nilly at whatever they're saying. There's a big laugh for Rebecca saying, it's sort of interesting. Ha! Yeah. <laughs> it's a mixing issue. I know Cheers is filmed in front of a live studio and as they tell us every episode, I think it's just a mixing thing because obviously certain scenes, I think the apartment scene is filmed still in front of a live studio audience, but but certain scenes and this is how they do it for for a lot of shows is they film the scene and then show it to the audience on a on a screen and then go immediately into the, the live scene so friends and i know you don't you don't watch much of friends but there's some scenes in central park right mm. obviously can't film that in front of a live audience in the same way that uh, that the studio setup is so they were filmed at a at a grassy area and then shown to the audience and the audience reacted to the footage then they put the laughter back onto the footage that's how it works okay same thing with the original scooby-doo obviously not filmed in front of a live studio audience but it does have a laugh track it does yeah um unless they have a cartoon audience you've blown my mind mm. <laughs> well that's what um roger rabbit the whole film yes. was about that wasn't it yeah yeah, yeah. You've got to you've got to learn more from your documentaries, James. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so yes, we have a, a little bit of skewed sound at that point, which it's amazing how quickly we we do a lot of production, uh, James and I, and it's amazing that this how important sound is. Your visuals can be have a lot more looseness than than your sound can. Sound can quickly drag you out of out of anything really and the minute that sound goes funny or the lip syncing slips or things like that you're you're just dragged straight out of it uh it's an interesting conversation because my my granddad and i had a lot of good conversations with him about about films and, and storytelling he obviously grew up in silent film era right and he uh i remember he he would talk about how films without sound you could tell what was going on with with the video and the occasional text, but also on radio, it was very important that it was conveyed what was happening. Mm. Um, so I think it's pivotal that whatever sensory elements there are, it needs to contribute to what you're trying to do. Mm. You know, interesting stuff. Yeah, the, the, certainly the rest of the episode holds up and doesn't seem to have a great many problems. So we come back to the bar, and this is the final Monopoly scene which delivers great punchlines. Frasier gets annoyed because whenever Woody collects rent, he takes money from the bank because he's playing as the banker and he thinks the bank's money is his. There's an, there's an interesting uh, crossover into real life there, I think. Yeah, uh, which is a bit embezzly and Frasier gets annoyed and uh, we'll play the clip, but he asks what the purpose of the game was. That'll be $1,300 in your get-out-of-jail-free card. Enjoy your stay at Boyd's on Boardwalk. 
Woody, I just realized something. Every time anybody deposits any money in a bank, you put it with your own. Prove it, Peterson. <laughs> I don't believe it. I have sat here for the last five hours watching each of you lie, steal, and cheat his way to a small fortune while I sit here with five dollars at St. James Place and this, this stupid picture of Uncle Wiggly. <laughs> you people have no scruples or moral standards whatsoever. I mean, what was the purpose of this game after all? I mean, just trying to teach Woody the nature of economics. Oh, well then, bravo. Ooh. Satirical beauty there. Mm. That's a very Frasier moment, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> the Monopoly comes to an end, as Monopoly always does, with at least some parties irritated and deflated. I've never ended a game Monopoly where everyone was happy. We played Monopoly once, uh, where nobody knows your name. John is ruthless. <laughs> I would imagine John is, yeah. We play Monopoly. We play Monopoly Deal, which is the card game variation, and therefore a lot quicker. John's a crafty little, mm. <laughs> crafty little creature, isn't he? There, there's, there's a. I think the thing that where I fall down at Monopoly is I think about it, but when, when in actual fact you've just got to be ruthless and just grab, 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 mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. and John would be very good at that. <laughs> People will listen to the next John episode and be like. This guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's a son of a gun, isn't he? <laughs> Don't trust him. <laughs> I must explain. John is lovely. He is. Um, but he's very good at this sort of thing. Very competitive, isn't he? Mm. Wily. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is just like we're having a, a, a bitchy conversation about him when he's not here. <laughs> I hope you're listening, John. <laughs> um. <laughs> Tune in next week for the Troy episode. <laughs> anyway, cuts cuts back to the apartment. Woke up, which is it's it's quite a wholesome, which is nice. Mm, they're holding hands, uh, yeah, which is nice. Roll themselves up in the carpet so the maid doesn't see them, which is a great physical comedy moment. Mm, ridiculous, yeah, uh, but it works. So yeah. you know, I don't like the last line of the episode. No, uh, but before you go to that. The, there is something there is something quite um, worrying about a maid ignoring what looks like a body rolled up in a rug in a billionaire's apartment. Classic Robin. Yeah. <laughs> He's done it again. No. You know what she's thinking? I don't get paid enough to, to deal with this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why she immediately leaves the room. She goes, oh, I'm going to I'm going to deal with the uh, the bedroom first. I didn't see anything. <laughs> At this point the security system has, has turned itself off. Yes. Um, Rebecca, we'll mention the line, but let's not discuss much of it because it is it is seedy. It uh, is, yeah. Uh, uh, Rebecca says, Sam, I want to thank you for not, you know, I think she even uses the words, take advantage of, of me. Well, that's at least the implication. Yeah, which is, is kind of worrying in itself that you would say to anyone, it's like you've just had dinner with a serial killer and you've gone, oh, thanks for letting me live. <laughs> it's, you know... <laughs> That was a lovely dinner. Thank you for sparing me. Yeah, so so essentially she's turned to Sam and said, thank you for not committing a crime yeah. uh, with me as the victim. Uh, and Sam's response is disgusting. It, yeah, it's very much... Now, I, I've, I thought about this line. My initial response was the same, and it's it still is that that is a... But in, in terms of two friends talking to each other, it is the kind of joke you might make. But because of Sam's history, yeah. it becomes quite 
dark, really. It says, thank you for being such a sound sleeper, which the implications are, are quite off-putting. But it could also be, thank you for not snoring and waking me up. Let's go for the more wholesome option. Yes, that's a nice, that's a nice place, a nice um, innocent place to finish. Willfully innocent place to finish. That sound means it's time for trivia. Hey, Cliff. Hey, what are you doing here, buddy? No, don't, no, that, yeah, elevator buttons. Yeah, off you go. That was close. Almost <laughs> stuck in a room with Cliff. It did nearly set our lasers off, didn't it? Yeah, well. But as usual, before we open our letters, we have to give a shout out to our norms on Patreon. So this goes out to Treb Curry. If you want that special norm treatment, then check out our Patreon page for that and so much more. My first trivia, what is the wildest thing that Carla has ever done in a seduction manner? Oh, this is a, this is a free reign of, of guesses here. Is it sex on an airport conveyor belt? It, essentially, yeah. She says she made love on a carousel uh, in LaGuardia Airport. Well, it's a better airport than JFK. <laughs> Say that much. Frasier has a game piece for the Uncle Wrigley game, but who wrote the children's books that said game is based on? Ooh. Deep question here. No, too deep. It is. It's Howard Roger Garris. Of course. What were the parts or the playing pieces that each person chose for the Monopoly game? Frasier chose the race car. Cliff the thimble? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Norm lead pipe, I think. Yes, yeah, it was the lead pipe in the bar with the the game of Monopoly. I forgot what Woody was. Now Woody was the banker, so he, I don't think he ever specified a piece. Let, let's go with the top hat. They're all meant to represent different industries, aren't they? The dog. <laughs> okay, there goes my feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I just go straight away going no. <laughs> just, okay. Fine. <laughs> I can admit when I'm wrong. <laughs> Rebecca claims that she's only dull on the outside, but what on the inside? Oh, I don't know. A seething cauldron of fun. Well, there you go. That's a quite a dramatic way to describe yourself. How much money is stolen from Cliff's wallet in the cold open? $21? Yeah. Well done. Very simple question. Tested your maths a little, though, didn't it, James? What is the name of the security system? Uh, that's a very good question. I have no idea. The Triton Sonic 5000. Triton Sonic 5000. I th- I'll finish off with a science question for you, Barry. Ooh. Laser is an acronym. What does it stand for? Light and sound... Am I right so far? You got one word right. So light. Is it something like light anode something, something, uh, electronic ray or something? No, <laughs> is the answer. Emitting. Uh, uh, yes, emitting is is close to what this. Uh, emission is what E stands for. I should know this. You should, yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> Has it got a Z or an S in it? S. Okay. Give me the answer. Light amplification by stimulated emission of radiation. Right. So 
Labzio is what it should be. Freaking Labzio. <laughs> you, you wanna, you're going to the Pink Floyd Labzio show? <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. It's no wonder I didn't get it, James. <laughs> it's just bong. Tricky B. That's last call. What should our house special be? Oh, it's a very good question. So let's have a think. Uh, we have lasers. We have bad sound. What sort of drink would you have at a rave? <laughs> I see what you did there. Ye- Jaeger bombs or a WKD or a Smirnoff ice. Actually, if you were sensible at a rave, you'd probably just have a bottle of water. Yeah, that's true. But I don't think we can have a bottle of water. No, no, we're not sensible and we're not at a rave. Yeah, although it is quite early in the morning. <laughs> I think because we mentioned the German spy museum, Jaeger bomb. Jaeger bomb it is. Clink those together, James. Knock them back quickly. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Ready for the next episode. Uh, You'll listen to us again next week. Bye.